0: Hello and welcome to Jump Cuts, a podcast about movies. My name is Charlie. I'm joined by my co host, Park. Hello. And Will. Hello. This week we watched Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, a film based on the true story of my life as an esports journalist. So, <laughs> this, was, uh, this was Park's pick. Park will recap it as much as one can. Park.
1: <laughs> I. When I was watching the film, I was trying to think of a good way to recap this film. But there, I, there's really not a great way to do it because so much happens and yet nothing happens <laughs> over the course of like two and a half hours. Um, but the IMDb little excerpt is a good way to describe the film. And it is about an oddball journalist and his psychopathic lawyer traveling to Las Vegas for a series of psychedelic escapades. I really hope my pop filter can eat all those S's.
0: (laughs) I like how no matter how elaborate Park starts out with his recap spiel, it always comes back to IMDb somehow. The classic.
1: (laughs) Always. Always does. Um, But yeah, so this is a film that... I haven't seen in quite some time, um, you know, it's based on the Hunter S Thompson novel, uh, fear and loathing in Las Vegas. He also wrote rum diaries and fear and loathing on the campaign trail. Uh, he was a gonzo journalist, which is, I mean, I don't even know how you describe a gonzo journalist. It doesn't exist in today's age anymore. I don't think, um,
0: he worked as I mean, I don't I don't know his career history that well, but I know he did a lot of stuff with Rolling Stone in the '60s yeah. and '70s. Uh, coincidentally, at the same time that they were publishing things written by the CIA, not not Hunter S. Thompson. He not with the CIA. As <laughs> They're far publishing as we him know. and also the CIA. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, again, not super familiar with his career in detail but I believe he was at points a freelancer at a time when that was a thing that paid uh, prolifically as opposed to now when it pays enough to be me Uh, (laughs) I I felt like like, I missed the wave a little bit watching this movie (laughs) maybe Uh,
1: so okay so a a gonzo journalist uh, so Hunter S. Thompson was the father of the style But it is a style of journalism that is written without claims of objectivity and often includes the report as like from the first person view of the reporter. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, like you said, you know, Hunter S. Thompson was a freelance journalist for a lot of the time. That's kind of what The Rum Diaries is about, Um, is, you know, kind of a loosely based kind of fiction on his time as a freelance journalist. Uh, And Rum Diaries, he goes down to the Caribbean Mm -hmm. and spends a whole bunch of time down there. And so Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, to get back to this, is a very extreme take, I, I would say, on Gonzo journalism. So our character is hired to go and report on this desert motorbike race out in Las Vegas with like a $50,000 prize pool which is actually a huge fucking prize pool for what like the 71 the 70s. or something yeah. yeah and he brings his lawyer friend who's just completely insane whose name actually happens to be Gonzo is he's Dr. Gonzo isn't he um uh, yeah i think so and they bring a suitcase full of every drug imaginable with them.
2: Yeah, a few I had to look up to like keep straight in my head what they were supposed to do to you because they get obscure in this. Yes.
1: Mm. <laughs> Some of
0: them
2: are not real. <laughs> One of them at least is not real. One of them notably not real. <laughs> Although you wouldn't know it if you spend a lot of, if you spend a lot of time on Facebook with the wrong
1: people. <laughs> we'll get into that. <laughs> But I so I had seen this film before. I actually, it's not a film that I had seen pre my like psychedelic episode in college. It's something I watched <laughs> post that your episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll get in. We'll actually get into. I, I do kind of want to get into a little bit of that because it is. It's there's a lot of very interesting takes. I feel like you can, you know, look at how you can look at this film if you have experienced psychedelics on somewhat of a high level but this is my first time watching it like really trying to pay attention to the film and you know boy is that just not really possible Uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. this movie is what napoleon dynamite was just full of psychedelic drugs there's really no plot line beyond I'm going to Vegas, but even the characters become self-aware of what am I doing here? Why am I out in the desert all of a sudden on a payphone in a junkyard? Um, and there's no like satisfying conclusion.
2: Yeah. It's a sort of, uh, I, uh, as one would expect for a movie about a bender or I guess two benders in a row, uh, yeah there's not much like uh, resolution going on you know it's a sort of
0: it starts and then it ends (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's interesting because like i do think that the movie has a point and i i haven't read the book but my understanding is that it it basically mirrors the theme of the book right and it's all (laughs) it's very strange that it makes its point in the middle of the movie and then just goes on for another hour yeah. because the the thematic kind of like sum up of the movie is just the monologue in the middle about the wave that's it that's the yeah. whole movie and this is movie like is the, the crash 44 minutes in <laughs> like... yeah it's pretty early on <laughs> yeah then there's like one more
2: serious feeling scene near the end but it feels mm-hmm. like an addendum to the point made in like the beginning sort of uh like when they with with, like the uh the woman in the diner or whatever Uh that's like the the other serious moment in this that uh is sort of i don't know like those two moments in this film are like incredibly sobering compared to like the rest of the film which i think is like definitely on purpose but Mm-hmm. it does sort of raise some questions as, as to like what exactly is this movie trying to do <laughs> 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 like what are we doing here <laughs> And yeah. I, well,
0: I think that that's part of it right it's like <laughs> what it's about is the futility of where the you know what became the hippie movement ended up right where yeah. what started as anti-war protests spun out into the whole Psychedelic and other drug culture, due to a variety of reasons involving various, you know, nefarious interfering three letter agencies. <laughs> um, and also just like people thought that
2: psychedelics would yeah. do a lot more than they actually do, mm-hmm. basically, mm-hmm. or well, like yeah, it, at <laughs> least in a casual use. I mean, you know, we're uh, not, we simply cannot get into another mind control. No. <laughs> discussion but in terms no, of just like ultra today <laughs> if you're just like a teenager who's taking lsd all the time you're probably not
0: going to like stop a war <laughs> exactly. as it turns yeah. out even if there's a lot of you uh, <laughs> yeah and that's the the wave monologue right is what looked like progress towards you know peace and demilitar <clears throat> excuse me demilitarization and equal rights and Everything that people wanted crashed and burned out, yeah. and this this movie is just the crash for two hours, basically. Yeah, just like one specific you know slice of it with the experience of a white guy with you know some privilege and money to burn on a shitload of drugs. But yeah,
2: but at, at the same time, look it, at it. It feels like the characters are like already like this period in time is like almost like the hangover from the sixties happening, right? Like they're already, they're post giving up. Yeah. Yeah. They have already given up and are just like, I guess we'll just keep doing a ton of drugs all the time. (laughs) Uh, Which I, I got to ask, have either of y'all read the the actual book? I think park literally has it in his hand. Uh, So
1: I started it. I, I, I was thinking that it was a little bit shorter than it was and I was gonna to try to read it in just a few days. Um but it is a bit longer. But I mean I was honestly, I was reading along like the first couple of pages of the book with the movie. All of the times that Johnny Depp, who plays our main character, uh Raoul Duke, who is uh essentially the Hunter S. Thompson counterpart for this film. Mm-hmm. The entire time that he's monologuing, he's literally reading lines from the book, just straight from the book. Mm
2: -hmm. Um, You you can tell that stuff is from the book when it's, like, coherent. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's how you... That's that's what clues you in. Yeah. But I was wondering, uh... like, how much of the book is like how true to the book is this movie like how are do they are they doing all these drugs in the book is it just like him like talking about his experience being insanely high in uh Las Vegas or does he just like mention drugs offhandedly and then spend a lot of time talking about the desert grace or like musing about the 60s like I'm curious what the actual content is
1: Well no, like the book itself does kind of follow along like it's not a report, like an after-the-fact report of everything going along. It is similar to how it is in the movie, where mm, it's, it's like a diary going thing. along yeah. with him. Yeah, it's very much like a diary. Uh, you know, like, even the whole thing, like, it talks about his whole chaos with the bats. <laughs> but, you know, we, we can't stop here. This is bat country. <laughs> uh, where we also get to see a very gross-looking Tobey Maguire <laughs> Oh,
2: man, he's so sweaty, which makes sense because <laughs> he's in the desert. But it's funny that no one else is that sweaty. And he's just like uh, <laughs> so moist. He's like a little salamander, man.
0: And feeling extremely threatened. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but I, I
2: love like the acting choice that he had of just like smiling through it the whole time. Yeah. Like his character is just like ah, <laughs> like, yeah. grinning and trying not to
0: like be
2: threatening to these insane men who picked him up <laughs> mm.
0: it makes it creepier and it works well for you know their reaction of post manson murders what are we doing picking up a hippie in the desert in yeah. the desert where the manson murders happened what if he manson murders us which or is what, funny because they're he the things who are, are spun out on every him. drug imaginable
1: <laughs> yes they're they're the ones who did a bunch of mescaline and started driving through the desert
0: yeah, much and, closer to manson murdering anyone than toby Maguire. it would see yeah and i
2: had to once again i had to look up i was like okay like i think i've heard of mescaline but because you know, like because mo- yeah like most movies get in like if they show you drugs like you can i feel like like I, i've obviously I've, I've never done cocaine but i feel like i have a good idea of what will happen to you just through mm. like culture in general informing me right yeah. people don't like talk about like mescaline and ether you know <laughs> this is the first time I, in a movie i've seen someone do ether you know but and they're they're kind enough to explain to you what uh ether does in pretty vivid detail but mescaline had to look up and they're like oh it's a psychedelic sort of like lsd but sort of not and i'm like okay fine good enough right.
0: them huffing the ether rag was quite a scene <laughs> yeah
1: when you, whenever I watch that scene though, I realize where Wolf of Wall Street I think got its inspiration for the Quaalude scene.
2: Oh yeah, you know
1: when they do the like lemon drop Quaalude or whatever, like the super rare one is that just fucks them up beyond like any ability to function. Yeah,
0: that's kind of that what movie, I think
1: but... of.
0: You haven't seen Wolf of Wall Street. Again, we're doing this podcast because I haven't seen any movies <laughs> God damn it yeah I'm slowly working my way through the to <laughs> see all of uh, them one week at a time <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like was I say?
1: oh no uh, so mescaline though is what like most people who would know what it is would probably just know of it as like peyote buttons hmm. so it's a uh, it comes from cacti peyote being the most common one um it's still legal in very specific parts of the united states primarily on indian reservations because it is used in their rituals mm-hmm. um you actually used to be able to buy peyote on etsy you could just buy like a cutting <laughs> of it to grow yourself uh, that rule and my friends and i in college were too scared to do it and now you can't uh, you should be frightened of doing that. That seems like the
2: most <laughs> honeypot, the, no, <laughs> the most obvious honeypot of all time. But
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you can buy syringes of mushroom spores to grow your own mushrooms because under the law, it is 100% legal to own the spores to grow mushrooms. Just like it is 100% legal to own a San Pedro cactus. What's illegal is now when you start using those spores to grow psilocybin mushrooms, right, or when okay. you take the San Pedro cactus, which has a has a mescaline content, but a much lower mescaline content, and start to refine it down into mescaline. Okay. What the fuck would you
0: do with psilocybin spores other than grow mushrooms?
1: Just have them. I don't
0: know. You can uh, be like the
1: dumbass that injected him into his bloodstream and then had to go to the hospital because he literally had fungus growing in his bloodstream. uh,
0: Christ. Drug laws are so stupid. Oh,
1: they're incredibly dumb.
0: (laughs) Uh, Folks, y'all aren't aren't, going to get
2: this from any other movie podcast. (laughs) If you want to learn the... Exact legal boundaries of various <laughs> psychedelics. <laughs> hey look,
1: our high school teacher in uh Law and Gov taught us how to turn like ten thousand dollars of cocaine into a hundred thousand dollars worth of crack.
2: It was for educational purposes. <laughs> 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 I felt like I learned a lot.
0: <laughs>
2: but and they even they like name dropped one uh, that another thing I had to look up that's like a uh, an anti psychotic thing that like I feel like even less people would know about. it, Which I, I assume that they brought with them in case they were having like a bad trip, or if one of their friends, oh I don't know, took an entire sheet of acid.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, started eating a sheet of acid in the bathtub. Yeah,
2: uh, if that happened, he, I forget the name of it, but it was some like antipsychotic drug that like would be no fun unless you were trying to stop being high. Uh, and
0: I, <laughs> they, I don't think they managed to find it in the, the briefcase. No. But, yeah speaking of eating the entire sheet of acid benicio del toro in this movie is great at being scary
1: oh yeah so this is the second time that we've seen him on this podcast and last time we saw him he was scary in a very different way (laughs)
0: true scary in the opposite of this he has the cia way has
2: so much range (laughs) even just in this movie he has so much range He, he he hits every emotion imaginable of like uh while being like the worst person to do any drug with, one could imagine.
0: Oh. He is I think he's better than Johnny Depp. Not that Johnny Depp mm. was bad, but like
2: He had a harder job than Johnny Depp, that is for yeah. sure.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Although I think Johnny I mean, Depp, yeah, I thought Johnny Depp did well. His,
1: his... I wouldn't want to do drugs with either of these people. Uh no. Yeah. Well Johnny Depp seems like
2: he would just sort of leave you alone. Uh he seems pretty like at least his his character in the movie seems like pretty like almost like asocial like he's he barely even really communicates with anyone he just sort of like floats through the world and like writes and just has this insane man that he like drags around
1: with him (laughs) yeah then you have Benicio Del Toro who just like randomly pulls a knife on people and all the
2: time and it's like waving he has a weapon in his hand for like 50% of this movie (laughs) it's crazy
1: one thing we can get into in this film is uh, the cinematography in it because it's kind of all over the place and in in really the best way possible. I mean, you go from a standard shot of like everybody sitting in the car to suddenly now we have a first person perspective from Tobey Maguire in the back of the car having, you know, a gun pointed at him or Johnny Depp just very creeperly. Whispering to him that like <laughs> they're on some sort of quest to go to Vegas, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You know it's it, the the cinematography in this film is so jumpy and rapidly cut and all over the place, which really fits the fucked up on psychedelics and cocaine mood. I would say, yeah,
2: mm. they it uh, definitely. I mean, they show. They managed to show all the different drugs they're on pretty effectively, just through like, oh, we're doing Dutch angles for this twenty-minute <laughs> period <laughs> or like, uh, like oh, like what casino should we have them wander into? Like oh, I know the, uh, Carnival one, the most oh, horrifying con- casino I have ever laid eyes on. It looks <laughs> so like a, It looks like it. It be it would be a nightmare dead sober and no drug you can take would make it okay. Uh, And Mm. they—they just them sitting at that bar with the tables revolving around them like incredibly fast. Yes. It is (laughs) jarring. It's just really uncomfortable.
1: The scene of Del Toro like hugging the pole, like he's like, make it stop. I can't get off unless you make it stop. (laughs) (laughs) Not able to leave the moving platform. Like... I can hundred percent understand that if you are that fucked up on psychedelics and something is the floor is moving, that that's gonna fuck with you beyond all reason. No, I've met
2: people, especially in like in college and stuff, like you'd, you'd like find people that are just behaving <laughs> incredibly, like similar to the way Benicio del Toro's character is, minus the weapons, but like, uh, uh yeah, a lot of the stuff. Like I feel like their acting and behavior to me read like very true, right? This is like I can't get I can't get down from this. It's not happening today. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I, I would not go Ed down just the stage. Kicks him off too. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, like I will say this like a lot just from from my history in college, from the things that I've experienced. They do a very good job at representing a lot of those feelings. You know, the moment like at the start of the film where Johnny Depp is like thinking through all of the Manson murder stuff with Toby Maguire in the back of the car. And then he kind of starts muttering to himself. And then his thoughts and his speech like line up and he's like, "Oh shit, did I just say all that out loud or did I think it?" Like that is definitely something that happens, especially if you're talking to yourself in the mirror, you'll just suddenly be talking out loud <laughs> and not even realize you got there. Should
2: I do that sober? <laughs> <laughs>
1: And, like, the same thing goes with just, like, moving platforms. Um, escalators. Incredibly terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> they look Thank like man. teeth. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: and they get kind of silly in some scenes with, like, the the puppets, the, like, labyrinth-esque puppet monsters
0: running around. Yeah. Uh, they reminded me of the one restaurant at Disney World with, like, the big puppet animatronics doing the, like, they're all, like, aliens doing, like, a fucking ragtime show in the... Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I Oh, I hate that it's one. Very it's very so Chuck creepy. E. Cheese <laughs> animatronic. Sort yeah, of. Yep. That's a good, that's a more, uh, common comparison, yeah. There's
1: a reason Five Nights at Freddy's is a bestseller. It's because animatronic pizza places are fucking nightmare fuel.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, but like, I think it's interesting. The movie goes from like representations like that, which are like pretty goofy. Like, I I don't think anyone's hallucinating like full like puppets and shit on like every person <laughs> in a room, right? Mm-hmm. So like, that's like a really abstract way to show like he's feeling a little panicked, right? Like he's feeling uncomfortable in this room. Uh, they go from between that and like very literal depictions of like. I'm afraid to go down this, like, small staircase because <laughs> I think it's too high. <laughs> like, yep. You know, like, it's... Uh, the movie isn't even, like, all that consistent in, like, the way it's showing you how fucked up they are, which uh, I think is fine. I think it, like, helps, honestly, because it it's able to, like, show you more perspectives of it and, like, kind of, like, make more jokes around it, I guess. Because... Uh, a lot of scenes to me felt like very like skit like kind of like one off things. It just makes sense from the director of this. it's the Monty Python guy. Yep. <laughs> oh, I that, didn't know that. Yeah, yeah made, it, it really starts, starts coming and Brian,
0: together. Holy Grail. That okay. That yeah. That adds up.
2: Yeah, because like I think the strongest like st- the strongest thing about this movie is like each individual scene accomplishes its goal very well and is like super well put together it's just like none of them really connect they don't have much connective tissue going on but like each little small story they're telling at each interval is usually pretty well done
1: (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. again like i said at the beginning of the podcast like it's very similar to like napoleon dynamite it's just kind of an incoherent wandering film Exactly, but each individual episode is great yeah and i think like some people hate that stuff like some people cannot
2: stand a movie with like no the the critics panned this film yeah and i Mm -hmm. i'm probably more in like in the middle it's like films like this aren't my favorite i i can't say i'm like rushing back to watch like fear and loathing or anything but i can tell like i think there's a lot of like craftsmanship going on and like i i enjoyed my time watching it for sure it's just it didn't like i don't know like a a lot of movies have like a more conventional story structure for like a reason right because they're able to like sort of communicate a little more to you i think uh well this man talk about we we say vibes movie probably too much but this is the the pinnacle right like this oh yeah this if you're a having a like a house party and you want a movie to throw on depending on how you want the vibe to go <laughs> for the evening <laughs> this could be a great one i think because it's one of you can walk in at any point of this movie and get what's going on right like and have a similar experience yeah. to someone who isn't watching it
0: all the way through you could but i can't imagine any Scenario where I'm throwing a party and the vibe I'm trying to curate is fear and loathing. Listen, that that is your choice and probably a good choice, but I'm just saying that this is an option for you. It made me want to read the book. Me too, because I have a copy. I bought it when I listened to another podcast do an episode on this movie a couple years ago, and then just never got around to reading it. <laughs> Uh, but now like i want to i want to read the book because yeah, all the parts
2: that do have quotes from the book i'm like damn he's he's good <laughs> he's a good writer yeah like, i get yeah. how he was able to live off of just being like one of the what sounds like one of the earlier parasocial relationships to like exist or like parasocial <laughs> like youtube guys right because like <laughs> Is is Hunter S. Thompson like not that? Because that's what that's the vibe I'm getting here, right? That like he I don't people know, but I believe like it. people had had reporting be like these are the facts. Here's what happened, and like maybe there'll be some like political bias, but people are be anti bias, right? But like he's coming in and being like, this is me. This is me as a person. This is what I saw as me. Yeah, Take from my, my biases, perspective. yeah, and of like, and if you are interested in me, the writer you will have an interest in what I'm doing and what I'm seeing and my take on it, right? Which is Mm -hmm. just any just chatting channel on Twitch, right? Like, it's the same thing. Just people are sitting in a chair instead of getting really high in Las Vegas, which, which, I mean, some people break that boundary, right? And do like IRL stuff all around. But like, Mm -hmm. it's fascinating to me seeing like sort of that format, like, what feels like maybe i don't know if it's like the birth of it but like a very early form of that you know
1: yeah like i mean even reading rum Diaries at the beach this summer um it's my future brother-in-law's absolute favorite book so uh their family gave me a copy and sitting there reading it kind of almost feeling like i was experiencing it with him just based on his writing style i went out and i bought a nice bottle of rum and then i just (laughs) sat on the beach drinking rum and reading the rum diaries and it was a great time yeah Uh, like the way he writes does almost give you that sense of connection
0: Mm
1: -hmm. yeah Uh, i definitely agree with you
0: it was interesting watching this as a as a journalist i guess (laughs) because like I mean, I was in an extremely different, sanitized, and technological version of this where i never leave my fucking house. Uh, I just what work Charlie's from trying here to say is I'm a
1: ton of mescaline right now.
0: I I, I, I Every day I wake up and I just chug a mescaline. Do yeah. you chug mescaline? I don't know how you can You can, <laughs> you can okay. make a tincture.
2: So, so, so. Charlie wakes up and he's like, my room isn't scary enough today. I like to, <laughs> I like to be in a scary room. <laughs>
0: But it is so specifically in games where I work, it's, there's been an ongoing discussion lately about the parasocial stuff, like you were saying, Will, because the reality is, if you want to write like an opinion piece, you have to either work for Raytheon so that the New York Times will just let you do it and give you a million dollars, or you have to be somebody that people already care about your opinion before they read your opinion piece. Cause they're not going to read it if they don't know who you are. And it creates this dynamic where like you have people that are supposed to be, you know, journalists in the traditional sense that are doing purely fact-based objective reporting, which doesn't exist, but that's beside the point, <laughs> <laughs> you know, trying to also curate some sort of like personality and brand image. And then you have people like me where I right now I just write guides and my traffic is purely just Google. I'm just taking advantage of an algorithm. So it I don't have to do that. And it's great <laughs> because I can <laughs> just be on Twitter and say whatever stupid thing about sports I want and I don't have 50,000 nerds being like what is ha ha the sport sports ball talk about video game video yeah. game man or some shit like that and it's uh you know it's nice but at the same time it would be great if people would just give me tens of thousands of dollars to go fuck around and write one magazine piece <laughs> <laughs> for however long it takes can uh, I, you know
1: can I- just, like That's the other thing about this world of journalism is that a lot of the pay was advanced pay as well. Yes. The for you, like months worth of advanced pay. Nice. Yeah,
0: And again, unless you are somebody that is extremely famous or works for Raytheon, you are not getting that advance <laughs> anymore to write a magazine piece or a web piece or anything. You're getting it when you turn it in and it gets published.
2: Yeah. Uh, dude, can I go on your Twitter and just start Anytime you talk about sports, be like, where are, the g- where are my game facts, <laughs> Game Boy? Where are my hot game tanks? Yeah, I'm not here for sports. I'm a gamer. I hate sports. Ree. Where's
0: my guide, you FAQs, ass mother. <laughs>
2: you should be practicing your ASCII art.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm games hot guides. Oh, man. But yeah, I, you know, if somebody wanted to give me a couple months worth of salary to go watch one race in the desert and write an article about it, I would do it, and I wouldn't even do a bunch of mescalage. I would actually watch <laughs> yeah. the race and write an article Charlie about would it. do
2: a good job, you know, because he's a very responsible and reliable young man. And, you good know, boy. Send this podcast to any potential employer. <laughs> no, I would do that. That sounds like a pretty good gig. you like... It, like if I if like yeah. if you could just make a living like traveling, I mean obviously I don't have like the writing talent that Hunter S. Thompson has, but like you know it it, it sounds like a fun
0: job to be able to do something like that, but like it's yeah. mostly unheard of now, right? Yeah, it does not exist anymore. Yeah, <laughs> nobody is doing that. The equivalent now, again, running with the same line of thought is like a vlogger, some yeah. like YouTube or TikTok star that goes to these places and i don't know does a squid game uh, but nobody is nobody's getting nobody's making a living writing magazine articles like this
2: yeah you have to like be producing content like every day basically instead yeah, of the know. like once every two months when you sober up a- enough to
0: punch out an article <laughs> God, I wish editors still thought it took writers that long to write one article. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. They'd probably be better if we had that much time. But.
2: Yeah. Wh- whoever like, broke that seal, real dick.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> uh, Maybe it's because all the editors read Hunter S. Thompson's books and realized that all that writers do is just go and fuck around for four months fault. and spend two days actually writing. Uh, he
2: he made the mold and then broke it immediately. All
0: <laughs> oh, my writers are spending their advances on Adrenochrome. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Please help me budget my expenses. <laughs> Sixty thousand dollars towards Adrenachrome. <laughs> my family is starving. <laughs> uh. Should we talk about adrenochrome? Yeah, we can
1: talk a bit about adrenochrome. It we can get back to the drugs of, of this film.
0: Adrenochrome's not real, folks. No. <laughs> well, isn't it, it's it, very important to me that you all know that.
2: <laughs> is it not like a like a real, at least like substance? Is it not just like what happens to adrenaline when it oxidizes? Is that not true?
0: Maybe it is. I looked
2: it up when I saw it and it was like... Oh, I, I guess the I guess the... Thing i looked up did say like is an imaginary drug <laughs> right yeah like it's not real
0: nobody is actually draining adrenaline out of freshly removed human adrenaline glands putting it in a vial and then drinking it yeah no this is okay. not a thing that is happening
2: <laughs> oh, okay apparently it's it, at least according to wikipedia it is at the very least a real thing
0: it's a a real chemical compound like it exists
2: adrenochrome is a chemical compound produced by the oxidation of adrenaline
1: yeah Uh, they researched
2: it for like 20 years but that has no current medical application and yeah it's like whatever yeah no one is like doing
0: adrenochrome Uh uh-huh the except for hillary Clinton, of course yes (laughs) the q shit conspiracy of all the Democrats are doing adrenochrome that they got from the Epstein Island is not real except for Hillary. Is Clinton.
1: that a real like <laughs> take that QAnon has? I just thought y'all were joking. Yes. Yeah. Oh my no, God. No, That's a real <laughs> thing. Some,
2: some of them. And like, it's hard to pin down what Q people think or if they're even, I mean, exist they anymore, all think that like,
1: one of the Kennedys is coming back from the dead. So like,
0: yeah, yeah.
2: that's, a, and like the, the adrenochrome thing is like yet another of the, thousands of examples of them like getting very close to something like kind of legit and then just like taking a like hard right turn into insanity where it's like hmm i think this like class of uh political elites with a lot of like money and uh like power and influence in the world who are all friends with this uh now like outed and then killed like pedophile and uh, they are all They all seem to be very buddy-buddy with each other. Maybe there was something untoward going on. I bet they were doing this drug that I heard about in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Is is child trafficking not scandalous enough for you do you think that they're like using them as cattle like it's not it's so unnecessary just like <laughs> the problem with is, child is the human trafficking, trafficking is that
0: they're removing their adrenaline glands so they can huff it before they go vote on lowering the minimum <laughs> wage the problem is child trafficking yes is, is
2: Like as usual, they're drawing lines in very odd places.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And also it's only the blue team, not the red team. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, But uh (laughs) anyways when he does this made up drug in the movie, it's a fun sequence in a fucked up way. Yeah,
2: just him like going through it with his friend like ranting behind (laughs) it.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I, I, it's also Part of Clockwork Orange I forgot about that
2: Is it in Clockwork Orange yeah, too? It's, it's what realize. they're
1: drinking in the milk Oh, yeah is—is ah. is, They call it Dreamcrom But it's
0: Adrenochrome hmm. uh, Now that one I read the book But have not seen the movie
2: <laughs> Yeah <laughs>
0: But <laughs>
2: I think I, I don't know. I'm not mad. I, I I saw the movie and it was like honestly fine. It was like my least favorite Kubrick film by like kind mm-hmm. of a lot, actually. Uh it's the most mid of his films in my opinion. Although uh, the try the wine scene is great. <laughs> Love that. The line delivery. That's the one reason to watch the film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? Yeah, the
0: uh when he's just got like the raptor tail on oh my God. walking yeah, around I guess, in the sludge and the room. I guess we should yes. get
1: into like the second bender. So Yeah. There's like the whole come up and come down of the first bender. And then the lawyer leaves.
2: He just Gets on a plane. It's delivered in such a funny way. It just like cuts to him like waving, <laughs> getting on this plane.
1: Well no, that's the very end of the film. I think it happens. Or does to, like, it happen in the middle t- Oh, so What it happens in the middle yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Because he just, like, leaves the country every time he sobers up. It's because he, <laughs> he's, like, he keeps getting in trouble with the cops.
1: Uh, but then he, cut, like, so our main character, uh, Johnny Depp, starts driving back to L.A., breaks down in the middle of the desert, and then is told, no, you have to go back to L.A. Or you have to go back to Vegas, because you have to get that telegram. Goes back. Only to run into God, Dr. Gonzo again, who is back at a different hotel this time on yet another drug bender with a girl who's fucked up on LSD and painting pictures of Barbara Streisand on every material <laughs> imaginable and is trying to go and give them all to Barbara Streisand. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Oh, also, she's like a child. Yes, almost yeah. certainly. It's very clearly, too young to be in that room. Yes,
1: yes. <laughs> and at the same time, this new hotel that they're staying in is also hosting a cop convention as they all <laughs> unite against the devil marijuana.
2: It's um, so funny. Oh my god! Some of the best comedy in the whole film comes from like that setup.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, oh god! Yeah, we get the. The whole conference when they... I think they were literally playing Reefer Madness in the background. Um, <laughs> where they're like, the, the way to like pick out a pothead is... Their shorts are stained with semen because they're constantly masturbating when they can't find a victim to rape. <laughs> oh my god.
2: Yeah, like, it's just full of... And they start, like, breaking people down into, like, tears of, like first you're like square and yep. then you can become hip <laughs> and maybe even groovy or cool the pinnacle
0: also when he says the semen thing Johnny Depp looks down and there's a stain on his pants <laughs> he's like oh that whole scene though where they're just sitting in the conference room but taking notes on that beautiful
2: it's so because like everyone in the world has met a guy like the anyone in the audience in like that little meeting like and when he tells the joke of like he's gonna have a bad trip on like oh my god he like <laughs> smokes too much weed <laughs> <It's>, like, <laughs> oh my god like it's yeah i don't know it. i've met i've also met these people in college a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're uh just as annoying in the film it was great the uh Little like customer service moment that they had where like the guy is just like screaming at the uh, I forget, is, is maitre d the right word for hotel? I haven't been in a hotel in a concierge, while, concierge, <laughs> concierge, Ma- is yeah. a restaurant, concierge. The hotel. Ah, I got you, I've been in my apartment for a long time. <laughs> they like him just like stonewalling like the cop who like wants a room in whatever building that he can't get then the guy, like, uh, Johnny Depp being like, I can sense that, like, he's going to be nice to me because I'm not a cop. <laughs> and then he totally is. He's like, yeah, sure, okay, we got your reservation right here, and here's your room.
1: And <laughs> yeah, here, Here's a couple of bottles of liquor we'll ring, bring up to your room.
2: Yeah, meanwhile, like, the cop's wife is, like, sobbing for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, broken out into tears. <laughs> uh.
0: Yeah, the... Everything about the depiction of the cops in this movie. Excellent. Very funny. It's, it is they...
1: fantastic. I, especially the Gary Busey cop. Oh,
0: is that the one that pulls yeah, him the over? Yeah, like, the Highway Patrolman. That's Gary Busey.
1: Can I get a little kiss? I'm so
2: lonely out here. <laughs> I'm so lonely out here. It's like, I imagine he's just in like, the desert. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. I also like, what I Maybe I just didn't understand this, but what was it trying to imply with him telling him, like, you are going to go to this rest station and pull over and take a nap? He's, like, insisting that that is what he has to do Basically
1: now. saying, like, I am not going to write you a ticket, but I am going to make sure that you go to this rest station and pull over and sober up.
0: Yeah. that's what i thought but it was just like I think so he, like, emphatic that i was like is there something else to this that i'm missing i thought I, he maybe there wasn't
2: i thought it was something like he might have like recognized his name or something like he knew had like read his like writing before and liked it or something yeah i don't know that's
0: what i thought when he looked at the id because he like clearly has a reaction so i was thinking it was like oh he has read his stuff and is gonna let him go or whatever yeah
2: but he's just like like, yeah, you know, like, I don't want to arrest you, but man, shit, this shit does not happen anymore. Oh my God. Yeah, yep. <laughs> but being I mean, like, I don't want to bother arresting you. Just, you know, make sure you make it to the, the next jurisdiction un, unscathed and then we're fine.
1: There's also, there's like a lot of famous people in this film that I, I also don't necessarily recognize until I'm going back to the cast that. Because, I mean, like you said, Johnny Depp literally never looks like Johnny Depp. Like, what the fuck does he actually look like? No idea. Uh, yeah. oh, yeah. Dude, when they reveal that he's bald, oh my god. It was such so a funny. great scene. He, like, Hunter S. Thompson was bald. Like, he yeah, looks just, just like him. It, But it changed, because
2: I didn't know that, so it changed, like, my whole perception of the man so much. It, like, mm. aged him, like, 20
1: years. Uh, but, like, like, I even texted y'all, like, I completely forgot Tobey Maguire's in this film. I, yeah. Like, I barely recognize Gary Busey, but, I mean, even uh, Mark Harmon's in this film, who's, uh, Gibbs in NCIS is his, like, biggest claim to fame at this point, I think. Who is he in this? He's one of the magazine reporters at the rally. Also, the, like, the famous Las Vegas magician, magician Penn, who has the show, like, Fool Us with Penn and Teller, mm-hmm. is one of the... uh. Is one of the guys? I think he's at the the Carnival Casino. He might be the monkey guy at the Carnival Casino. <laughs> uh, Maybe. Like, there's a, like Cameron Diaz is in this movie. There's just a ton oh, yes, of famous people who just like are casually mm-hmm. in this film.
2: Yeah, I recognize Cameron Diaz at least, but like, I'll, so many people in this movie do not look like themselves. They did a great job making them look like like Benicio del Toro looks totally different. Yeah. than like anything else I've seen him in. Uh, yeah, Johnny Depp. Everyone just... Uh, they do a good job disappearing into their characters. Minus Cameron Diaz. She just looks like Cameron Diaz. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Toby Maguire just looks like gross Toby Maguire. Like, Toby Maguire who didn't become an actor. I feel like that's what he would look like.
2: It took me a second for, for old Toby. <laughs> uh.
0: oh. Johnny Depp does really... I, I know I said earlier, like, I thought Benicio Del Toro was better, but Johnny Depp is still really good. The whole mannerism of the way he's, like, stumbling around and chain-smoking out of that, like, weird, clear filter that just looks like the end of a vape. <laughs> yeah. um,
2: I feel like it makes sense, right? Because doesn't, like, a lot of, like, psychedelics, you, like, uh, like chew really hard on stuff? So I guess he wants something to chew on, and he want, if he wants to smoke all the time, he'd probably chew through sense. the filter. So, yeah. it makes sense, huh? <laughs>
1: Put the plastic tip on it so you don't, you so you don't just bite through it.
2: Yeah, because he's, like, gnawing on that thing the whole movie, which makes, you know, well acted.
0: <laughs> but it also makes, like, fully half of his dialogue just completely incomprehensible because he's <laughs> yes. always got something in his mouth. Yeah. And same for Del Toro, like, he is incomprehensible yeah. because he is in a psychotic rage and maybe about to murder someone or himself. Uh... <laughs> Yeah. It's very it was weird to me. And like the most the most off-putting thing about a movie that is in a lot of ways off-putting and abrasive is that I just had no idea what the fuck they were saying half yeah, the time. It. Maybe I just watched a copy with their they need to like somebody needs to do a full audio remaster of this movie so that I could tell what the hell anyone would say. Like,
2: 50% of movies need that, I swear.
0: But, like, also, half of this
1: film, I really don't think that you're supposed to understand, because it's just, yeah, like, incoherent yeah. gibberish of them fucked up out of their minds. Mm-hmm. Like, when he's trying to talk to the... the concierge at the first hotel, you know, when he's on six hits of acid, like... The most I've ever done is two, and that's a fucking struggle to communicate. I can't imagine six. I can't imagine trying to function in public on six.
2: And that is the lowest dose of acid that is taken in the film. (laughs) Uh. Uh And I love how, like, she, like, does understand him and it's, like, fine. Yeah. Like, things just work out for
1: him. I mean, I feel like if you work at a hotel in Vegas in the 70s, you've seen some shit. Yeah, you probably are
2: able to handle anything. They should be, they should be, they should have, like, power in government if you work that job. You should be made president. (laughs) (laughs) You can handle things. Oh, God. Yeah. but i i so like there is a lot of I mean most of the movie is just chaos right but yeah uh the the two scenes of like intent just extremely like just sobering moments in this film are like uh charlie talked about like the big one a little bit of like uh sort of opining on the the failure of the hippie movement to do uh, anything other than get really high uh and like (laughs) the uh the second one which is kind of a huge bummer it was really an awful scene to watch on purpose i think but like uh when the it's like the first time you see the actions of uh our, our two uh, duels uh really having an extremely negative effect on someone, right? Because the whole movie they're being like lovable assholes and then like the lawyer descends into madness quite quickly and just is a regular asshole. But like uh, when, he, when they're eating at the diner and he like threatens the waitress with a knife and she just like shuts down and it's like the crazy camera angles stop, there's no bright flashing colors. Mm-hmm uh, he's just holding up this like woman who's like trying to live her life and thinks that she's going to die. And then he like assaults her and then they leave and it's terrible. (laughs) It's just a nightmare. And it's like, I get what the movie is trying to do. It's trying to be like, Oh, Hey, look, the consequences of your actions can be like really bad and you shouldn't behave this way. Uh, you know, like these characters are not to be like imitated. Right. Uh, But, uh, man, it really, I was not expecting a scene like that in this film, honestly. It kind of caught me off guard, and it's, like, it's super effective, but it, I don't know, how how did y'all feel about it? Because it really,
0: like, hit me. Yeah, it was tough to watch. It, uh, yeah, that, that whole final chunk of the movie there, that's depressing. Because that is, like, the, the end of the hangover. Right. It's And the, the sort of final monologue he has after that, where it's you get the shot where it's, like, spiraling up out of the room while he's still got, like, the raptor tail on and it's just, like, clacking away at a typewriter talking about, like, you know, lies about the light at the end of the tunnel or whatever. <laughs> it, yeah. it, it takes on a much darker tone whereas, like, the wave monologue has a bit of A hopeful concept of, like, you know, the wave crashed and receded, but, like, it chipped away a little bit and left that high mark, and maybe the next one will make it further, and this one is just, like, the light at the end of the tunnel is a lie.
2: Yeah, it's, like, Uh, there's no deeper meaning to any of this, like, everyone just, like, spinning their wheels after the 60s, and... uh. mm -hmm yeah he was kind of right <laughs> in yeah. a lot of ways <laughs> kind of
0: nailed it <laughs> yeah. and like if you want to have an optimistic takeaway from that you sort of can too of like you know th- <laughs> this is unproductive wheel spinning like you said but okay if we know that now what's the next step yeah um i think that it, you know yeah. the movie doesn't know because it's and the you know the movie in the book it's about the time before the anybody figured out the next step maybe nobody has still i don't know mm-hmm. but yeah it's
2: uh yeah it, it, I, I don't think it's like a totally like hopeless movie like by any stretch it's just like it, it was more negative than i was expecting which i guess i mean the title mm-hmm. of the movie is fear and loathing you yeah. know maybe <laughs> i should have expected that but
0: yeah um, it's just it feels like a big like fuck man how did we get here yeah come to jesus moment well and then you know the final scene of the movie is him just zooming away not a care of the world appearing to have learned absolutely nothing (laughs) uh yes it, it also
2: i think part of it is also like it's kind of a very unique perspective that at least none of us have of like uh i imagine like so it sounds like uh, he had an extremely good time living in like San Francisco in the sixties during the hippie movement. Right. Uh, and from anything I've read about that place and time period, that it was kind of just like a different world than like what a lot of like, what like the average American was living. Right. Like it was, uh, extremely like different sort of like society and just like the way people like structured their lives there. Uh, and like this movie is sort of showing like how his character is like dealing with the concept of that being over forever. Right. That mm-hmm. like he has this like nostalgia mm-hmm. for the previous decade. Uh, and like on top of dealing with the fact that like there are a lot of, uh, I guess, like broken promises from that period uh like, just, like, a sense of... A feeling of, like, nostalgia and, like, kind of, like, loss <laughs> that he has, you know? That it's, like... Y- he can never go back to that time, right? And, like, y- y- wondering if, like, people can live that way ever again, you know? Or if they even should. <laughs> it's... uh, mm. It's interesting. I don't know. That's what... Yeah. The movie definitely has a point. You were right, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, one little little fun fact about the whole San Francisco flashback, though, while he's going through and, like, revisiting his memories of it. And the scene where he says, Mother of God, there I am. And all of a sudden, you see what kind of looks like Johnny Depp sitting at the table, but not exactly like Johnny Depp in the movie. It's because that's actually Hunter S. Thompson. Oh,
0: I didn't even notice that.
1: (laughs) That's just straight up. That's just straight up the author sitting at the table playing himself.
0: I didn't know he was alive when they made this movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, he he did. He did. died in wow. the early 2000s, like 04 or 05. He still wasn't even that old. He was maybe like mid-60s, I think. So, yeah, he died in 2005. He was 67. Yeah, here, Yeah, he is known for his lifelong use of alcohol and illegal narcotics, his love of firearms, and his iconoclastic contempt for authority.
0: Man, Iconoclast is way cooler than Influencer. I'm going to start calling man an Iconoclast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Time for the rebrand.
1: He often remarked, I hate to advocate drugs, alcohol, violence, or insanity to anyone, but they've always worked for me. Oh no, he's <laughs> too cool.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I get why people liked his stuff and you know how he could get by on just like wandering around and writing and you know because like i think a lot of times to like write something good or like make like really any good art probably helps to have some just like weird life experiences to like base things Mm -hmm. off of right you gotta have something to write about so it sucks that it, it sucks that like that's sort of like a dying type of person <laughs> you know mm-hmm. that like people don't get to do that as much they'll get to like the, mm-hmm. the people who want to do something like that have to produce something every day as opposed to like take a month or two and like sort of pare things
0: down and have something with yeah. a little more substance if you want to take a long time to write your personal piece for some publication your job has to be doing something else that you're famous for. Yeah. Or you just have be to be a, a lot comedian of money. or yeah. some shit. Just be
2: yeah. have some other gig, yeah. Have a podcast. <laughs> you can make our dreams come true by subscribing. To- <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I completely forgot. He actually committed suicide, which is why he died at 67 unfortunately. I saw that just now while I was reading. Johnny Depp was his, one of his best friends and paid for his funeral. And then Jack Nicholson also attended and then his other friend Senator John Kerry. <laughs> Seems like an odd choice for how much he hated him well, though. No, Kerry was
2: an anti-war guy like during, he was like one of the like uh like oh, veterans yeah. against the war guys, right? That's kind of how he yeah. Like rose to fame and he obviously his politics didn't stay that good, right? But like uh, that's sort yeah. of. That's why so many Republicans fucking hated him. Uh, mm-hmm. It's interesting, but would yeah. he
0: have beat Bush if he didn't cheat on his wife?
2: Did he cheat on his wife? I think Bush.
1: I... Yeah, I think
0: Bush I think
2: probably Bush
1: still would have won have own own because, because so we were.
2: Yeah, he. he. Yeah, he would. still would have. Yeah, Bush still would have won. That's well, a, I mean, maybe
0: that's not what but, happened, but I feel like I remember there being something about him cheating on his wife. I don't know, maybe. But,
2: uh, I mean, really, Bush never should have been in it because, uh, he cheated his way after the yeah. Bush war.
0: Bush also didn't win the first time.
2: Yeah. So. Not even from, like, uh, like, ooh, but the Electoral College thing. He, he, he lost the Electoral College too. He just cheated his way in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Brooks Brothers riot was just, uh, stealing an election
1: in broad daylight. But, But, you know, this is what I was going to say, though, is like, as we've talked a little bit about uh, the gonzo journalism, we talked a lot about gonzo journalism not necessarily being a thing that much anymore. But there is kind of one outlet that I would say still at least does does it to some extent. And that is Vice News. They do a lot of reporting on the facts, but they do have a lot of pieces that are like. This is me going to this place and experiencing this firsthand and this is you living it that's with. That's
2: actually me. they that's probably the closest thing that I've seen like a a big like publication do that I can really think of.
1: Yeah.
0: They also pivot to video again every 6 months, so Yeah. But like videos so of that, I think discussion. like
2: small little like documentaries I feel like can be very similar, right? Like if you mm. you know, I've watched a few like mm-hmm. vice documentaries that yeah, I think you're right. I feel really similar to this. So yeah, I guess that's kind of where the medium went and boy, boy, did Facebook do a number on, uh, like the internet by lying about the video stuff.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, cause there's some vice news documentaries i have even watched, like even the video documentaries where they will, you know, go to a country to report on something, but then like between them reporting on it, it's just like, and here I am like, living with the family here that I'm staying with and doing all the things that they do and going out partying with them. And now back to what I was reporting on.
0: The QAnon documentary on HBO, another great example, because he literally helped the fucking H-Hand guy flee the Philippines. He did. (laughs) (laughs) Should he have? I am begging everyone to to watch that documentary. It's so good. It's really special. It's great. But I, I think, like... It's not like that journalistic concept doesn't exist anymore. It's just it's not one guy taking three months to write one magazine story. No. I wish anyone would give me three months to write one story. That would be sick. (laughs) 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 I could write some dope shit if somebody would... pay you for all three months right now. Yeah, if somebody would give me $10,000 to write one article... For the next three months, it would be a banger. I'm just saying, right. I
2: could take a crack at it, I could get into some shenanigans, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that money, I'll join some fucked up club, or I don't know, try to get embarrassingly drunk around town and write about it later. I
0: could do some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, well, I don't know if I have anything else, uh, you guys. No
1: not really Um, I guess like the only thing I would say is If you want to see some very Unique depictions of this story uh, You should go And check out the art that Ralph Steadman did Which is in most copies of the book As well Really great depictions of Like the feelings Of being strung out on these psychedelics They're horrifying As they should be (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Alright, well, I guess recommendations really quick, because I don't I uh, I don't know if we ever said at any point, like I resoundingly endorse this movie. So uh Park, you wanna go first?
1: Yeah, I mean I definitely recommend this film. Um uh, it's incoherent at times, but I personally find it enjoyable. I don't know if everyone will, but I, I recommend it. Give it a shot at least.
2: Well, um yeah i think i'd recommend this to like most people i think it's it's a good time and i think it's like worth watching just partially because of how unique it feels um and also uh i want to say don't do drugs because if you do them you'll go to hell forever and you'll deserve it
0: (laughs) (laughs) thank you will (laughs) yeah i mean i can think of like types of people i wouldn't recommend this movie to but Most people, I think it's worth a watch. It made me want to read the book. I feel like it's the kind of movie that makes you want to read the book, and that's not a bad thing. It it conveys its theme pretty effectively, and now I'm like, I want more meat off that bone, which is the book. That was a weird analogy to choose. I'm sorry. okay he's a writer folks (laughs) (laughs) folks all right that's the show thanks for listening we appreciate it as always new episodes every thursday uh find us on all the stuff at jump cuts pod park at summer hour underscore brewing on instagram will at will post words on twitter and will johnston on youtube that's with a t folks not johnson johnston uh me on Twitter at Charlie B post where once again I just tweet inane things about sports because Google does my uh, finds my audience for me. <laughs> so, anyways, we'll see you next time. It will be a will pick. It will be a movie. All right, bye. <laughs>